Hi, I'm Susan Ruth. I am a podcaster of the Hey Human podcast, an abstract painter, a songwriter, a short film screenwriter so far, and a performing artist. And we on the show today, Curiosity Bites, are going to discuss all sorts of interesting, crazy things about the human condition, the creativity of following the muse, uh, why we're all racist. <laughs> what it's like to converse with a KKK member, uh, all sorts of interesting, wild and wacky things. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the delicious Curiosity Bites with our special guest, Susan Ruth. She is a curious creative whose creativity takes many forms. She's a visual artist, a podcaster, screenwriter, professional songwriter, and uh, has written for movies and you know, she's done a lot of stuff, man. And in the in part one of the show, we talked about uh, where she grew up and her sort of journey. And we talked about these awakening moments where Susan felt like the universe, it, love, whatever term one wants to use, had her back. And that, that often doesn't happen until there's, there's a breakdown before there's a breakthrough. We're going to explore in part two because the show obviously is Curiosity Bites. And one of the things that I am always fascinated about in human beings is what it is they're curious about. And the reason I, I, I say this, and you've heard me say this before, is because I believe in many ways, societally, we are removed from our curiosity. We go to school, they give us information. We are expected to regurgitate that information rather than become curious. Education comes from the from the Latin educat, which means to draw out. And education seems to be about stuffing stuff, pushing stuff in, and then and then having us regurgitate it. And I know that my guests are always complete freaks. That, that I'm a freak, and my guests are freaks, and I love freaks. And the, in that we don't usually don't. It's not always the case, but we don't usually follow the the traditional academic path. Although many of my guests, as you know, are PhDs. But the path we all follow, whatever we go down, is that we've all become incredibly curious. That's part of how they become a guest on this show. Um, so what do you, Susan, what do you find yourself to be most curious about right now? I am, like you, curious about the human condition, why mm -hmm. people behave the way they do, uh, what brings them to those points, which I think leads me down some very interesting pathways to talk. I like talking to strangers <laughs> a lot <laughs> if you have a van with candy i'm in <laughs> uh, but i neuroscience also i'm fascinated by the brain uh, i read stuff about it i've had a few guests on the show that are neuro neuroscientists um uh, that is my ultimate fascination and as i mentioned before that if i had not gone into the creative arts that would have been the thing that draw you know that i that i took to yeah i did not do well in high school my i was the youngest child so my parents were like yeah do whatever um they encouraged me but they didn't they didn't harp on me about grades or anything right. which is odd for you know double phds and things mm -hmm. but uh so i graduated from high school with a 1.7 barely made it through uh but i wasn't like I was dumb and I certainly wasn't ignorant either because I love to read and discover, but everything around me in high school, as you said, just felt so gross. They just wanted you to shove things in and regurgitate them out. And my brain was like, no, but what about this? Or what about this? You know, I 
would I've been kicked out of a few classes for saying, well, I don't agree with you, teacher, because I see it this way. And they are so I can think <laughs> Mr. Talbot, wherever you mm-hmm. are, I should not have been kicked out of your English class because I didn't like old man in the sea. I thought it was pedantic and masturbatory. And I said so. And he I think it was because I said masturbatory. <laughs> they threw me out of class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the masturbatory word is the one that got you jumped out. I think so. Yeah, but I, I have had a lifelong passion of learning, but not in the way that would be a traditional way. And then when I went to college, I got I basically got all A's because finally uh, I was allowed to think for myself, which is perfect for me. And I, how the hell did you get into college with that grade average? <laughs> well, so my father, by that time, Oh, was, your father. No, no, All no, right. No, no, no. <laughs> my father, by that time was teaching at the university of Washington in Seattle. Yeah. And I really wanted to go to Western Washington and Bellingham, Washington. It's a great literature program. And I loved books and I loved words. And I also had a deep fascination with religion and they had a great humanities program there. Mm-hmm. And so I applied. I didn't take SATs or, or any of those things. I never took any of those tests. I applied and they said, mm, your grades suck, but your dad, we know, teaches at the University of Washington. You should go there, maybe pull your grades up, go to summer school or something. I was like, but I don't want to go there. I want to I want to go to Western. And they said, we're not letting you in. So it was summertime and I went and took a, a <laughs> sociology was this no the psychology of deviance and it was a paper-based class at the university of washington and i took like a chinese literature class or something and did great and so i went back to western i said let me in your school and they said no sorry and i said please please, please. i wrote this letter to them i said test me however you want i don't care test me however you want and i promise you i'll do fine in your school and so I think maybe out of their own curiosity or whatever, I, they said, okay. So I went up there and I took class, uh, the class, um, you know, you sit in the classroom and you do the bubble thing. And I took the Scantron the test, the, the Scantron test where like ABCD and then essay yeah, questions. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you can come to Western. I got put into uh, top level, you know, junior and senior classes. Really? Yeah. Because I I wasn't a, a ding dong, you know. No. I just didn't study. But often the way they can't I see past that. That's my point. That's why I'm like, really, because what you say your grade point average was one point what? One point seven in high school. Right, one point seven. So yeah. oftentimes they can't see past that. Well, and they weren't going to. And then no. when I went to and took those couple classes at the UW and got A's, and then said, please let me in, and wrote this impassioned letter i think i actually threatened to hung i I think i said i'm gonna hang from my toes in the middle of red square if you don't let me in so i had some vague threats in there too and (laughs) so maybe their curiosity was peaked enough little dramatic yeah sure for sure maybe we should Uh, let this go into the drama program (laughs) yeah exactly but i i was always a good writer um Mm. in fact in high school the classes i did do well in were english classes but all the other ones you know brought down the grade point average but i remember one of my english teachers in high school he didn't believe that i was writing my papers he said this is too advanced there's no way you're writing these and he would stand behind me in the class during the tests while i was writing the essay things 
They had to bring my parents in. I mean, in second grade, this is so dumb. In second grade, they told my parents they thought I was learning impaired. <laughs> so they brought in the specialists. And back then they gave kids IQ tests, yep. right? So I had to take an IQ test and like, uh, wait a minute, you know, whatever. Here's my, the whole moral of this story is your child, whoever's listening, they may not be doing well in school, but I would challenge to say that their brain isn't being met at its level, that school sucks on so many levels. At least it did for me. If you are not exactly a get along, go along to get along person, it is not going to work. If you're a person that looks out the window and, or your child is somebody that looks out the window and sees worlds and ideas and, and thoughts and, and is caught up in their own head that is our future. That's our scientists and our, and our poets and our painters and our, the people that will get us off this planet. You know, those are the people, not the people that say, rememorize A, B, and C, and then say it back to me. Yeah. I, again, you know, I talked about uh, my guests being freaks, lots of them, lots of them, including ones with PhDs now yeah. failed at school. Um, I struggled horrendously at school horrendously i don't know many people who've read as much or more than me i really yeah. don't um and at the same time um i was uh severely dyslexic in in school uh, i would right I, I definitely would have been categorized as ADHD, adhd although i don't think that that's what it was um i had narcolepsy um you know i had all these things going on and I would skip a class. And fortunately, I'll just tell you this, you'll appreciate this. Uh, fortunately, my art teacher was a hippie who was often doing acid during classes. Nice. Right. And so I could skip out of another class and go into her class. And she wouldn't be sure if I should be there or not because she was zapped. Right? So she'd be like, weren't you here before? And I'm like, no. And she'd go, okay, come on in. <laughs> So, I love that. So I would sit in art class for four hours right? yeah. and I would do my art and everybody thought I was going to be an artist because that's what I did. Um, you know, I was an artist. And so I'd skip out of these boring classes that made no sense to me because I was supposed to regurgitate that I couldn't particularly regurgitate because my memory doesn't work that way. Right. But if you give me pictures and imagery and, and feelings to go with the memories, no problem. But yeah. just regurgitating stuff forget it like yeah. math was like painful for me well especially dyslexic i mean right. math and dyslexia do not bode well no. at so all. it was terrible i really really struggled with it um but there were other subjects i absolutely loved like i loved science as yeah. long as i didn't have to write anything mm. if i had to write yeah. anything it was horrible and it, and i failed all the exams but i was the brightest kid in the class and mr yeah. kushner was my teacher and he said how can you yeah. be so bright and fail all the exams. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, not even, not even like a, a, a C minus. I'm talking fail. I get and it. And I was the kid in the class with my hand up in every class, answering the questions, debating, got thrown out of the class because I said, you know, well, I don't think that that's right. What about this? Out. You're disrupting the class. So yeah. I get it. I mean, I mean, so again, I think that the education system is not made for people who are expansive. It's made for people who regurgitate. And I don't blame the teachers, although they're caught in that machine. 
um, it, it's a system and goes back to the Prussian school system that yeah. was brought into place. They want before, workers. Yeah, they wanted workers. It was designed for the industrial age. That's we right. no longer live in the industrial age. Yeah. And so it's it's just a poor system. So that curiosity in you, you know, that you and I talked about even in our past, past conversation, that curiosity in you, what fed that? Because I, I'm, I'm always interested in, in that because, you know, school doesn't, or for me it didn't, and it doesn't sound like it did for you, didn't feed that. So what fed the curiosity? Because it's easy to get it beaten out of you. And I think that yeah. that's the problem with most people. Yeah. <clears throat> I think part of it was the fact that I was the youngest child. And by the time I came along, my parents weren't paying as close attention. I mean, like I said, we had the dinner table conversations and things like that. But they, uh, for example, I've told this story before too on other shows that when I was five and we were in, in Cambridge and I came home from school and I said, who's this Jesus guy they keep talking about? We prayed to the queen and then we prayed to Jesus and who's Jesus? And my dad's a scientist. My mother, so my father's Jewish, my mother's Episcopalian. Uh, but my father, I'd say, not even more, I think he's leaning more toward agnostic, but he was certainly atheist growing when I was growing up. And mom believed in the woo-woo things and God and all that. But to their credit, they said, well, here's all the major religions, the minor religions, here's the pantheon, the mythologies, blah, blah, blah. You get to decide who you are and what you think about that stuff. That's not mm. our job, which is in totally opposite of what my, most parents do, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they said, we'll encourage you. You can, you know, read anything, go to anything. We'll take you at any, to any temple or, or church or whatever. And I, to their word, they did. I went to everything and I read everything and I would find myths and books and talk to mom about them. Or she would take me to the Seattle art museum after hours. Cause she could, you know, go in there and, and we'd go through the, the art exhibits and the Tutankhamen and the, whatever was in the, I mean, how cool is that? That is amazing. Night at the museum in yeah. real life, you know? Um, well, without the things coming alive. Without but, things coming alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that was part of it. And, and they also had the thing where, and I don't know if you can do this now for safety issues, but back in my day, back in my day that, you know, mom in the summer would throw open the door and say, see you at 10 PM or whatever. See you when the sun comes down, go do things. And so you and the neighborhood kids would get on your bikes and, and go explore. into the woods and explore the world and, you know, get into trouble and then get out of trouble. And, you know, that that's what you did. And that I think developed the, the saddest thing I see now are people that are so, and I, I know that our devices are important. I'm not anti-device. My thing is pra a practice you can try is when you go to dinner with someone, for example, or to eat, put your phone away. And it's wild watching people around a restaurant. As soon as somebody they're with goes to the bathroom, they get their phone. They cannot handle just being in the moment. So my challenge to people is always fight that freaking urge. And just look around you and listen and start to take things in. Your brain is so thirsty for it. It's so mm. thirsty for it. Go on a walk. Don't bring your phone. Just look at stuff, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating because I will, like I live right by the ocean mm -hmm. um, in Vancouver. And uh, so I walk out my back and, you know, I've got the park there and then the ocean, right? And so it's very close, a uh, minute and a half's walk. Um, and 
you know, as I walk there, it's an incredibly beautiful scene. I mean, it's the park, it's the ocean, oh, yeah. it's the edge of the park on the other side of Stanley Park, which is 25% bigger than, than Central Park. It's huge. And on the other side is North Vancouver across the, across the, the, uh, the waterway there is North Vancouver and all the mountains. I mean, it's stunning, right? Yeah, stunning. You've beautiful got, countryside. You've got planes coming in to land on the water. The architecture is magnificent. doesn't matter what you're into, nature, architecture, whatever it is. It's all there. And, and I find myself looking at my phone. And I'm like, I came for a walk to be by the ocean. What the hell am I doing? And I have to, and I cannot put it in my pocket so I know the answer. I have to put it on airplane mode and put it in my pocket. Because if I put it in my pocket and it's not an airplane mode, then I take it out. I will look at something. I check Instagram or I check my email or whatever it is. I don't do that. The only time I take it out of my pocket is one of two reasons. I'm listening to a book while I'm taking it in, right? Or I'm listening to a podcast while I'm taking it in, or I take it out to take a photograph. That's it. Mm -hmm. And my wife will say to me, Dove, how many times have you taken that photograph? Like that photograph of that scene. And I go, probably about 900, but it doesn't matter. It's the light today is a little bit different and it's beautiful. And I, you know, I, I just enjoy the beauty of it. I want to capture that for a moment. Yeah. But we don't spend that time. And it's interesting to me because it goes, it's pervasive. Because when you look at relationships, I see that we don't spend the time. We're constantly looking for something to entertain us in the context of the relationship rather than being with the person. Mm. And by that, I don't mean, I don't mean by, you know, going and doing these great adventures. I mean, just being with the person. So just sitting with my wife on that bench by the ocean, holding each other's hands, you know, and just looking at that and just yeah. feeling that person's hand in mine and going, oh, my God, I'm so blessed. Right. Whatever, you know, whatever term it is for you, it's just feeling like, wow, I'm right here. Here's this kid from Salford, from the ghetto, you know, poor as shit grew up around violence and crime and, and addiction and all that. And I'm sitting here in this amazing park in this scenic place with the woman of my dreams, 20 odd years. I've got amazing kids and amazing grandkids. Like, wow, this yeah. was, you know, people talk about visualizing their future. This was beyond anything I could have possibly imagined. Like, Wow. Or I could look at my phone and see what somebody else is doing who I don't really know and see what pictures they're taking. And what the hell wrong end, you? I, I've sat and watched people go by and I have watched, I'll, I'll, I was in New York. I'll never forget this. And, and I was watching a guy walking one direction and a woman walking the other direction, both quite attractive. And I thought, oh, this could be something. But they were looking at their phone and they walked right past each other. They never even saw each other. And I thought, I thought to myself, what, how many generations of loving people don't exist because of that moment? It's like that scene from Back to the Future when he starts disappearing from the photograph because yeah. his parents don't connect. And, and it's that. How much are we missing? You know, that's, that's a really a bummer. You know, because for me, I, I think in these, I think in movie scenes and things like that, and, and book titles, and the, you know, this movie scene of, you know, the, those two people who were talking to their friends in a previous scene, each of them about how they're never going to find anybody or looking for a soulmate, you know, and they walk past each other, 
but they're looking at their phones and they never meet, you know, and yeah. why didn't I meet the love of my life? You were looking at your freaking phone. Yeah. <laughs> no. And phones are super useful. I love. Oh, I love them. I love my yeah. phone. But, but it's that same thing of. I, think of all the things. And I'm guilty of this, too. You don't accomplish. You don't think about and you don't do. You don't see. You don't feel because you're so into the phone. And. And there's something to be said with the fall of, of humanity when, when we've been completely taken over. I drew a cartoon once. It was um, an alien ship had landed and the two aliens were standing outside the ship and their giant cell phones. And the one says the other, this was easier than I thought. And it was just all the humans looking down at their phones. Right. You know. So, you know, all the creativity that you express, all these outlets you know, that didn't bode well for, for the traditional educational system. Um, do you have, do you have a sense of your own muse? Do you have a sense of what, it, what, what is catalytic for your creativity in any form? I'm not talking about songwriting, but, or, or painting, but in any form, do you have a sense of your own muse? Yes. I think, I know there are nine muses, but for me, I think it is connecting to all. What, again, whatever that means, that I feel at this point in my life, I am so aware that if I sit down to do any one of my things, that just it flows through me. And I am not under any illusion that I am somehow more talented than anyone else. I think I'm just open the conduit. And, mm -hmm. and so it's allowed to come through. And if, and if you don't believe in that, look at the fact that it's sometimes, you know, four movies come out at the same time and they're all basically the same movie or, or, or books or it's because I think the ideas are just floating by. And as you open to that stuff, you can pull it down. And if you have an idea and you think, oh, you've been hit by inspiration and I want to do this thing. And then you don't honor that. It will mm -hmm. then go find the person who will. And it's not because you are less than or anything like that. It's just that you didn't choose to engage that moment of inspiration. Well, it's like your uncle said that yeah. creativity knocks, but it doesn't nag. Uh, opportunity. Opportunity knocks. Opportunity. It does not nag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, talk to us about your theory on that, about that, you know, because um, I, I know where I'll go with that, but I, I want to hear where you go with that, which is that it's all there and somebody pulls it down and sometimes multiple people pull it down because you get three movies that come out that are basically the same story. So, yeah. so what's your theory on that? On, on which part on where it, it is exactly. Yeah. On, on, yeah and what, what is, you know, what is that floating something and, and how to, how to, how do we tap it? Wow. If I had to uh, anthropomorphize it, I would say it yeah. is an all, it is an all of all time, all place, all space, all dimension, all things, all everything. It is just the all of everything. And um, it's an interesting thought. If I, I'm trying to put it into something tangible, it's like, mm. um, you know, you flip on the light outside and there are some moths that go right to it and, and some that don't. Some mm -hmm. moths go to the other lamp down the street for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So 
<laughs> if the moth was the idea and you're the light bulb, that when your light turns on, you're going to get stuff that comes in. I, I don't know how to put it exactly. It's, it's so ethereal and, and, and otherworldly. You know, the Greeks believed that the gods whispered things into people's ears and, you know, and then they awoke. And Paul McCartney talks about how he wrote uh, Let It Be yep. and, and you know, in his sleep. You know, and I've written songs in my sleep and I wake up, I'm like, oh my God. And why is that? Because when you're asleep, your guards aren't up. You know, the the heavy drinking, chain smoking guards that live in your brain that are like, ah, ah, you know, she's busy right now or go away. You know, if you don't capture it, sometimes at least write down and I try to at least write a note to myself Yeah, because otherwise it's gone forever and it's gone off to someone else. How do you personally, you, how do you remove the guards? I think I used to have to outsmart them when they went off to the, the, you know, use the facilities or something. Uh, now, uh, I think the guards, no, I, I wasn't sure in the past, maybe the guards were fear their, their protection mechanism. Like, Oh, don't do that thing because what if you do it poorly or what if you're dumb or, you know, whatever. And now I think there's an understanding. It's like, Oi, you know, sisters just freak you out and i say i'm okay with this and like okay you know that sort of thing and that is a terrible description it's the best i can come up with i don't really know i think part of it is age and wisdom and um and i think part of it is understanding that i can dare to fail yeah it's it's interesting because um you know as somebody who's a high creative like you um one of the things that I use my phone for mostly is taking notes and the notes are sometimes audio notes and sometimes written notes, but they're moments of, of creativity that sometimes are poetry, sometimes are are writing of some kind, uh, you know, but there are, there are, uh, and very often because I think in metaphor, they're metaphors, right? So they're, they're metaphorical. uh, um, But I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right in the, like my, my wife and I will be watching a movie and she'll say, damn, do you have to pick up the phone? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not looking at the phone, babe. And she goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm taking a note. Yeah. And she goes, why? I said, I just got an insight or an idea. And she go from the movie. And I go, yeah. That's the but catalyst. I'm saying, no, as well. I'm saying yeah. no, it's the catalyst, right? It's, yeah. the, it's the, it's the music. It's the moment that was brought forward by that, 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 that line of uh, um, of the script catalyzed me to think about something else, or the way that that light hit this in the imagery just made me remember something that I have always loved. Um, and I, th- I don't think we give ourselves permission to the muse. And so, you know, we're not talking about the muse in the in the traditional sense, but into whatever the muse is for you, in, into you know, what is the, it's one of the things I guide my clients on is, is what catalyzes greatness in you? It's a question I ask. And what, a cat, what catalyzes greatness in you? And they go, what do you mean? Like, what is the moment when you go, wow, what is that moment that brings that out in you? And so often we don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's a really great place for us to end part two of this show, which is, you know, because we we went from, education and the, the the sort of the flaws in 
education to you getting into university when you, <laughs> you know, probably shouldn't have in traditional speaking, you know, to, to this discovery of muse. And I want to sort of take that a little bit deeper into the, 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 what that's been like for you. Have you, you know, as, as we go into the next part into part three, I want to talk about wrestling with the muse. And I want to talk about, um, you know, at what point does the wrestling become a dance? Hmm. Okay, so we are here with Susan Ruth and we are coming to the end of of part two of this particular conversation um, with an amazing creative. uh, And I hope that you found found this show very inspiring. We're going to be back in one click with part three. Before we do, I want to remind you that uh, we really need your help in rating, review and subscribing to the show. Uh, I this is a love this show is a love for me it's the conversations that when i hear from the people who who catch this show and tell me oh my god i've never hear these kinds of conversations it's it's a it's a blessing and it's a gift and i hope that you found it to be the same i hope that it creates a muse in you and a catalyst in you so please rate review subscribe to the show tell us where you're listening from write to us tell us what you got out of it we really appreciate it we're going to be back in one click so stay curious my friends stay curious we'll see you in part three